It looks like we're on the road once again. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some more creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories. Since you all enjoyed the last episode, I decided let's do another. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share a story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Did you know that over 50% of the viewers on this channel aren't subscribed and in the swamp with us on a daily basis? Be sure to change that before these stories start. Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories that'll freak you out tonight and keep you off the road. Hi there, my name is John. Without taking too much time to explain my backstory, here's my story. I am a 24 year old and this happened when the COVID pandemic first started. I have always been a fan of horror movies, thrillers, etc. This took the frosting on the cake in my life with personal stories pertaining to human trafficking, abductions, and missing persons. I am roughly 200 pounds and athletic. I have trained in martial arts or anything to keep my physical health at best it could be. So, I have never had this issue of being afraid of being alone, even at night. This story comes to show how these types of things can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time. It was late May of 2020, and I was in the middle of the initial government shutdown in Michigan. Marquette, Michigan resides in the northern part of the Upper Peninsula of Lake Superior. There is always something to do indoors or out. I had personal obligations come up and I had to drive to California. I started out on my road trip in the morning, like any other day of traveling would have been. Everything was very smooth, and I even managed to take an 18-hour stretch thanks to caffeine and being an experienced road warrior. It was all very beautiful and exciting along the way, speeding whenever I had my chance alone along any long stretch of highway. Everything would change the moment I let my guard down, though forgetting that there are dangers being a lone traveler, despite age or gender. Fast forward past the boring parts of my travels, because that's not what I'm telling you about. This happened, and I felt it may come to good use for anyone in my age or in general. I also still have anxiety issues, but I'm doing alright. As I drove through Montana, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I started noticing small things occasional abandoned cars that I hadn't seen anywhere else. I became more wary. Being a young college-aged male, half Native American despite what people may or may not say, I was still raised to be cautious with my skin color. I had never taken this route before. I was very tired on the third day of my drive, and I believe I made it to southern Oregon because I had been driving south and this was where things really were becoming weird. That afternoon went by very quickly and I made it to the northern part of California. It was still mid-afternoon, and I thought I'd take a rest stop break and stretch my legs and look around for a bit. As I finished up and got back in my car, an odd feeling washed over my stomach and made me very alert. I joked internally, as maybe it was just my native spidey senses. I noticed a few other vehicles in the lot with me. No one was around, but one next to me with tinted windows made me feel a little bit weird. I became uncomfortable and drove off slowly, 
As I got to the overpass that leads to the on-ramp, I noticed one of those Mercedes or GNC panel vans that a contractor or plumber would use for work. It wasn't until after everything happened that I really put the pieces together, because I saw this van twice now. Must be traveling in the same direction, is what I thought. It also had extremely tinted windows. I think a woman with sunglasses was driving it as well. I thought to myself... It's probably just some people living in their van and just happened to stop at the same place as me. I left and went about my travels until very late. I was nearly dozing off at the wheel at about 2.30 a.m. I was not going to get myself killed by falling asleep at the wheel. I knew that where I was was pretty far out and pretty far from anyone or any place. I also made sure to set my car's alarm and have my weapon near me in case I needed to react quickly. As I prepared to bed down for the night, I thankfully decided just to lean my seat back and rest my eyes. As I had said, I thought about these vehicles from earlier in the day and tried to let my mind wander elsewhere. I heard a vehicle go by me. As I sat up and looked, I thought I had seen it slow down and maybe come to a stop ahead of me. I didn't give it too much thought. You know, I was really tired. As I was laying there, Wondering about the next day and what the trip was going to be like going back home, something told me to sit up. As I sat up, I looked around the general area from where my vehicle was in this strange parking lot. I looked out my passenger side door only to see a man walking towards me. After I had tried to justify that it was just someone walking their dog, I noticed he was holding something. It was a pipe or something blunt. He tried to stay towards the edge of the parking lot approaching my car. I noticed he was also wearing a mask. From the looks of it, it was the same type of mask from the movie, Friday the 13th. The silence and the sight had made my stomach drop, and I turned my vehicle on and got out of there as fast as possible. I drove for the rest of the night as I was leaving. I called the police and let them know where this person was, these traffickers or sickos. So if you're wondering if your gut instinct is trustworthy, I would always say yes. Looking back, I had seen that van at least once, and I always wonder if it was a bunch of people following me. I still struggle with the anxiety and paranoia of it all, but I thought that my story may help some of you to remember, to heed warnings, even if it's a literal dead silence that had to save you and set you up. Recently, I had found out that there are caravans of people that work in human trafficking. They drive around looking for lone and naive travelers. Always make sure to pay close attention to your surroundings. This happened two years ago. I live in Oklahoma, and I needed to get out of the house for a while. My friend Scotty, who lives in Yukon, Oklahoma, called me and asked me if I would like to spend a few days with him. I said yes and got ready. Anytime I went driving, even if it was to the store or a doctor's appointment, I always take my dogs with me. Forgive me for naming all my dogs in this story, it's just all my dogs play an important part of this. I have nine dogs. Batani, a Dutch Shepherd, Sarah a Labrador Retriever mix, Kodiak, a Dalmatian mix, Gray, a Pitbull, Elsa, a Bull Terrier mix, Penny, a Coonhound, Kraya, a Rottweiler, Jackson, a Terrier mix, and Benji, a Miniature Schnauzer. It's a 55-minute drive from Dell City, Oklahoma to Yukon, Oklahoma, so I was planning on taking my time on the road. All the dogs were asleep except for Penny and Benji. They are the most protective of all my dogs. 
I stopped at a gas station to get something to eat for myself and the dogs. I took Penny to the gas station because it was nighttime. I got me and the dog something to eat. I went to the counter to pay and the cashier looked at me and then Penny and then out at my SUV where my dogs were. I paid for the food, got in my car and started driving. I had the radio on. Suddenly, I see headlights behind me. I pulled over to let them pass and they pulled over when I did as well. The person got out of the car and I remembered that red shirt. I rolled up all the windows and made sure all the doors were locked. I grabbed the hammer and pepper spray I kept under my seat. He started walking, and he walked up to my window and knocked. I rolled it down just a crack and asked if I could help him. I noticed his hands were in his jacket pockets, and he looked at the back of my car and said, You have a lot of dogs. I looked back and did a little movement with my head to let my dogs know there was trouble. They all sit up and stare at the man. They all start growling low. Penny was on my lap and had her face on the window growling the loudest, and Benji was backing her up. The dog started growling louder. He walked back to his car and drove off. I hit the gas pedal and drove over the speed limit. I had only 35 minutes left to get to the safety of Scotty's house, but when I got there, it was probably only 14 minutes. I broke down in Scotty's arms as I told him what happened. He called the cops and told them what happened as well, and they sent two cops to take down a report. On the third day at Scotty's house, we were watching the news when they started talking about a man who had stabbed two young women. They showed his face, and I broke down again. Scotty was asking me what was wrong, and I told him, that's the man who walked to my car. I called the cops and told them that this was the same man who walked up to my car that night. I can only think that I was his intended target, but when he saw how many dogs I had, he changed his mind. I'm very thankful that I had my dogs with me that night because they very much saved my life. Scotty ended up moving in with me. He brought his shotgun, pistol, rifle, and his German Shepherd, named Dane. The man was caught for stabbing those two women, and is currently in prison. Scotty and I are now engaged, and we have a baby on the way. But I never forgot that night, and how bad it could have turned out. Hey Swamp Folk, sorry to interrupt this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Manly Bands. Guys, for the better part of our lives, our other halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. Cut, clarity, carrot, color, you name it. For us, not so much. And jewelry stores clearly think the same thing. Personally, I've always had such a struggle finding a ring that's my style and even fits me correctly. Manly Band is here to rescue from an otherwise hellish band buying experience. Manly Band offers your hand the freedom to look how you want it to, in just about every type of earthly material imaginable, and even material from space. I chose the narrator, because I love the way it looks, I love the way it feels, and I love the way it fits. To get started, order the Manly Ring Sizer from Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly during work and play. Once you know your size, it's time for the fun part. Manly Bands has an insane selection of materials to choose from. Gold, wood, antler, steel, dinosaur bone, and even the meteorites that killed them. You can choose from one of the many Manly Bands curated collections like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection, or one that you like yourself, like the narrator that I chose. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. While there might be a 50% chance of your marriage working out, there's a 100% chance that you're going to love your band. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off, plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com slash swamped. That's manlybands.com 
slash swamped for 21% off manly bands. The best damn rings, period. To start this story off, I am now a 33-year-old woman and an eclectic pagan. Yet the story that I'm about to share with you still makes me raise an eyebrow. I have seen my fair share of paranormal happenings. This story takes place in 2005, when I was only 18 years old in central Indiana, about an hour north of Indianapolis. A whole lot of corn and soybean fields. That's basically all that's around. Anyway, this involves me and four other people one other young woman, and three fellas. It was a boring summer weekday evening, and we were in the apartment just babbling about. We weren't really talking about much. I think we were just talking about some sort of local haunted place or something. One place we talked about was the Satanic Church, which is out in the BFE, and as we later realized, one county over. The story goes that supposedly in the late 1800s or early 1900s, a cult took over the church and killed the parishioners one day. I have no clue if this is actually true or not, but that's how the story goes. The church is small, but about as old as the story itself, and is one of those that has a cemetery on the property, just to add to the creep factor. Well, the lot of us being 18 to 20 years old and bored out of our minds, decided to go on a little road trip out to the church. So we pile into our lady friend's little Corvette Beretta and head out. Mind you, she's the only one that knows where we're going so the other girl is driving. One guy is in the front passenger seat. I'm in the back behind the driver, and the other two guys are in the back with me. We drive for about a half an hour in the country, and then down a gravel road before we get to this church, which is on a gravel road across from a cornfield. It's well after midnight by the time we actually arrive. We were the only car on the road, and we had not seen any cars since we had left town. The road we are on is narrow, and only has room for one car. Now, we have seen enough horror movies to know that we probably should not get out of the car. So we sit there, looking out the windows with them rolled down, staring at the church. In one window at the bottom left nearest the graveyard is a faint, translucent, bluish-gray figure. It almost looks as though smoke decided to try to become corporal. It was in the shape of a person. It was for the most part androgynous. I squinted hard and said, do you all see that thing in the window there? Everyone saw it. All five of us. As we're staring transfixed on the church, I start to see shadows moving in the graveyard. I know at least the other girl with us saw those too. The next thing we know, we're all blinded by glaring lights. It was a truck with floodlights that had pulled up right in front of us. We all flinched at the sudden light. Out of the truck steps a man in a county sheriff's uniform. It's not the county we're from but the next one over. I didn't know we were that far out. He comes up to the car and starts asking the usual questions, all while shining the flashlight in each of our faces. Like he couldn't already see us well enough with the lights from his oversized truck. Now, it's important to reiterate that we're on a narrow, one-lane gravel road in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, with absolutely no traffic from anywhere for miles. When the guy in the sheriff's uniform came up to the car, he went to the passenger window. By doing this, he made the driver have to reach over the passenger to hand him her information. He was a young guy, I'd say early 20s. If you've ever been pulled over, then you know this is not the proper way to do this. I understand that sometimes the officer will go to the passenger side on a busy road for safety reasons. But again, 
This is a gravel road in the middle of the BFE, Indiana. He'd then ask us all to get out of the car to perform a vehicle search. We all get out and hand him our IDs. He uses his cell phone to call it in. What's strange, though, is he has a radio on his shoulder. Isn't it protocol to use the radio? I'm pretty sure it is. As we are all standing there, I look back to the church. That thing is still in the window, and I swear it was laughing at us. He half-assed searches the car, gives us back our IDs, and tells us to go home. It wasn't until we were back to the apartment that I realized and started pointing out everything that sheriff did was wrong. Going to the wrong side of the car, using a cell phone, as well as the truck he was in wasn't any kind of official police vehicle. It was just a truck with a bright annoying floodlight attached. I still talk to the other girl about that sometimes, and I brought this story up to her a few months back. She said that she thought that she read somewhere that a guy from that county got arrested for parading around in a family member's sheriff uniform but I don't remember hearing about anything of the sort. We concluded that the church is probably haunted and that guy was not a sheriff. I wish any of us had had a phone with video capability at the time so we could have gotten a badge number and a name, but in 2005, that was a commodity. Just remember kids, if you're ever pulled over or stopped by police of any kind, it is well within your rights to record everything they do, even if they tell you not to. Ten years ago, I was a stupid 18-year-old kid who was living with his parents in Flagstaff, Arizona. We moved almost every three years due to the nature of my father's job, and so I got to see most of the country. It was a Tuesday in November. My mom said we were packing up the apartment and moving to Seattle for what was going to be another year and two months. I had a small, 300cc motorcycle at the time. I'm pretty sure it was a V-Star, but I could be wrong and decided to hook up a GPS and use the time to go on a ride across the west coast. My mother really didn't like this idea, but I knew I would be safe due to personal experience and knowing when and when not to ride. Besides, it would only be a three-day road trip, and I'd get to see all sorts of neat stuff along the way. I notified my job that I was going to transfer, threw on my saddlebags, and a day later was on the road. I managed to make it all the way up through western Nevada, to avoid LA traffic and stop prior to taking the I-5 into California. That evening, I stayed in a day's inn that had a nice parking lot and an extremely comfy bed. After breakfast and a talk with the locals, I crossed through Reno into Western California. From there, it was only four more hours until I reached Oregon. Luckily, I had time to spare, so I wanted to take some back roads and discover what this dank, damp state had to offer. It was fall, and there was a deep chill in the air. Riding through it sent shivers down my spine. It was like nothing else I'd ever experienced. November's weather in Oregon is almost identical to that of Pittsburgh during that season. It makes you want to curl up in a ball and sleep for a decade, only to wake up and repeat the process all over again. Eventually, I grew tired enough, and I wanted to find somewhere to stay and managed to see a sign advertising a Green Hills hunting lodge on the side of the road. It was accompanied by a long, steep hill that took me what felt like an hour to climb. Though, when I reached the top, I was greeted by a large and gorgeous cabin that looked like it was specifically made for weddings, as something ripped out of a fairy tale. Bewildered, I parked my bike, 
took off my bags, and threw a tarp over it, which was secured by bungee cords. I walked inside and met a Korean woman who was at the front desk. She spoke perfect English, but had a very distinct accent, in which she explained to me that I could choose my room due to an abundance of vacancy. Cool, right? I choose room 31, as the entire building was all on one floor. She handed me a key with the tag 31 attached via a key ring and tells me to have a good night. I throw all of my stuff down and head to the bathroom to wash up after writing for an entire day. The room itself looks like a cabin and is beautiful. The floorboards are all real wood and even the shower has the same natural wood as a tub surround. I take a shower and then head to bed and realize that the mattress is incredibly comfortable and makes me cozy, only to realize something is off. It's not something obvious, but I knew there was some sort of oddity about this place. I push it to the back of my mind and fall asleep. The next morning I wake up to find the walls went from a natural brown to a deeper gray as if they were stained overnight. This wasn't a result of natural lighting versus LED. The room was without a doubt a different color. I shrug it off and get all my stuff together, making sure everything is still where I left it. I head out of the room to not only find the wood had changed color too, but I was also on the second floor that previously did not exist. The light from the morning sun wasn't permeating the windows of the cabin, and there was no one in sight. I started to freak out, nearly having a panic attack because this was not right. Thankfully, there were stairs that I dashed down as fast as I could and made my way to the front desk and rang the bell. Once, twice, three times. I was breathing heavy and knew I had to get out of there. No one was coming to check up on me after about ten minutes of waiting, so I dashed out of the doors and into the lot. I ripped the tarp off my bike and looked back at the lodge. It just wasn't the same lodge. This was a broken down, abandoned, dirty building that looked as though it was about to be condemned. I didn't want to ask any more questions and rode off as fast as I could. That place still haunts me in my dreams even to this day. That road trip was a beautiful and amazing experience. But that hotel, I honestly don't know what happened there. This happened at the beginning of this month, after traveling home from a gaming convention. It was a little over a 14 hour road trip, and my mom and I had just gotten over the halfway mark. Being that we were both getting pretty tired, and it was about 10pm, we decided that we would pull over at a gas station and take a nap. Our initial thinking was that this gas station was a 24-7 one, and being right off the highway, it would be okay being that we had stopped at the gas station before just not as late at night, and we thought it would be fine to sleep there. So we parked, locked the doors, and decided to nap. It had probably been about two to three hours after we stopped that I woke up and looked over to see my mom was awake. She told me to get back on the road and slightly seemed on edge. I asked her if everything was alright, and she said, I'll tell you once we're on the road. It turns out, she had woken up about 45 minutes to an hour after we stopped to the sound of someone trying to open the handle on the driver's side passenger door. She sat there for a moment, for probably 5 minutes or so, and then turned on the inside car light and the movement stopped. She never saw anyone, but she noticed the store was closed and a white van was parked facing the side of our car. Not wanting to panic or frighten me, she let me sleep a bit more. The white van never left 
and she never saw anyone after that. Thankfully, our doors were locked and whoever it was did not follow us. I remember in my dream I heard a door handle trying to be opened, so maybe it was my brain trying to tell me in my dream, but either way, it was a creepy encounter nonetheless. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that's incredibly helpful to the channel. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your experience at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating. That's very helpful to us over there and helps the show grow. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Down in the comments below, I'd love to know what story was your favorite tonight. Honestly, road trip stories have started to really intrigue me recently, and there's some weird things that happen on them highways. Be safe out there, everybody. That's definitely something we can learn from here. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.